Hello, and welcome to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I am one of your two hosts, AJ. And I am the other, Gavin. And welcome back. So this is going to be technically episode number four, because we've decided that one of our previous episodes that we had counted is actually going to be number one of a subsection of audio commentaries. And we promise future ones are going to be a little better. Yes. Yes. Uh, and however, for our episode today, we have a very, very special treat for you. We have what is now going to be our second interview uh, with a very well-known martial artist and uh, martial arts movie actor. You may remember him as one of the co-stars of the great China O'Brien movies or for his roles in the Mortal Kombat films or his starring role in the techno-thriller classic Heat Seeker, or perhaps his supporting role in the seasonal films American <laughs> Hong Kong co-production King of the Kickboxers, Mr. Keith Cook Harabayashi, uh, a phenomenal martial artist, a multi-time forms and weapons champion. Uh, I mean, his accomplishments go on and on. He was a Wushu all-around champion in America, 1984, 1985. He was a Waka Weapons and Forms champion. Uh, he was Inside Kung Fu Competitor of the Year, uh, 1983, 1986. He won the Bermuda Internationals four years in a row. Uh, he is an incredible martial artist, uh, an incredible fitness coach. Uh, still in phenomenal shape to this day. I'm not sure if I told you, but when I pulled up to his beautiful studio in Brentwood, uh, he was doing dips outside. Are you serious? Yes, I'm <laughs> not making this was. up. He was doing dips on the rails, like up the ramp, uh -huh. and I, I couldn't find parking, so I pulled back in, and I rolled down my window because I see him walking out. I'm like, oh, I'm going to ask him where to park, and he just starts doing dips, and I'm like, this guy <laughs> is a bad ass, and he's just in phenomenal shape, a great inspiration, and really an all-around fantastic individual. He was very nice to take the time out of his busy schedule to talk with us. We managed to squeeze in an hour in between his classes. So there was so much to talk about. And I feel like we covered a lot, but there might be some stuff we missed. And for that, we apologize. But we had a really kind of narrow window there. Uh, and we're just very grateful that he took the time to squeeze us in. Absolutely. And he, he dropped a couple of uh, very interesting uh, tidbits that not even, I mean, I like to think that AJ and I really, we we feel that we know a lot about film, martial arts film in particular, but he dropped some tidbits that we didn't even know about. Yeah, some crazy stuff. And uh, once again, I apologize because I get overly excited and you're going to hear me on there just like saying things like, yeah, wow, cool, oh yeah. Uh, but seriously, some of the stuff he told us, it was kind of like, what? And uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy the episode. Uh, he definitely seemed to have a good time as well. Yeah. And just an all-around really cool, nice guy, would yeah, you say? Yeah, an absolute gentleman, which, I mean, is indicative of just, like, true martial arts masters. He just has the air about that. He has that air about him. He has just, he just presented himself totally as, as this open gentleman who spoke with authority and really uh, it was a totally engaging conversation agreed and uh obviously i feel we're getting better and better with these episodes but you have to remember for gavin and i we literally grew up watching his movies in china o'brien for me like enter the dragon i probably watched <laughs> at least every other week you know it's just i i love that movie so for us to even keep our cool as good as we did, I, I'm giving myself a pat on the back right now. Absolutely. Because I could have easily just freaked out and been, Dakota! 
<laughs> Where's the leather jacket? Uh, but yeah, so before we get into the episode, we want to talk about kind of what's happening right now in the world of martial arts movies or action cinema or really anything like that. So, uh, you have any news? Well, I mean, as, as we discussed before we started the podcast, there is some big Valentine's day news and I'm not talking about Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, <laughs> another solid choice, but no, <laughs> if you really want to impress your lady this Valentine's day, I suggest you take her to go see Enter the Fat Dragon, starring Donnie Yen. It will woo her in all the right ways. <laughs> but in all seriousness, uh, it is getting its uh, release this uh, upcoming Friday. So next Friday from mm-hmm. us recording right now. Uh, so from WellGo USA, who are yep. awesome. They they do all the releases pretty much now, it seems, of the major Chinese or Hong Kong films. Well, there's not all that many, just yeah. regular Hong Kong ones anymore. Uh, and as many of you may already know... The Chinese release was actually canceled, along with Jackie Chan's Vanguard, which were two of the big, big Chinese New Year films, which is a tradition going back uh, 30, 40 years in Hong Kong, where they'd have these big action movies. The Chinese New Year is like, you know, they would release the biggest films, the Lucky Stars movies, all that. And unfortunately, due to the coronavirus outbreak going on in China, the releases were canceled. Uh, Enter the Fat Dragon actually got an online release in China. Yeah, like legitimate through legitimate... uh, streaming uh sources uh vanguard i still haven't heard anything about yet i don't know if it got that same release and there's still no word yet on if it's getting an american one but it's interesting how last second some of these can be like this uh, enter the fat dragon one so i will definitely go see it and i suggest everyone go see it so we support uh these films getting releases and to be honest with you i'm surprised they didn't uh announce it or schedule it sooner due to the box office success of Yip Man 4. I know. Especially in America, too. They, they, had, a, they had a good opportunity to follow up, kind of, if not right away. I mean, it's two months released. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been two months since yeah. the release, but I'm surprised there hasn't been more traction in the media or at least on online ads or something along right. those lines. It just really did come up. And I feel like Donnie is becoming more and more well-known, but the Yip Man character, I feel at this point to American audiences might be still more well-known than Donnie himself. Yeah. And obviously this film was directed by Wang Jing, who, you know, is huge in uh, Asia, China, and Hong Kong especially, but no one here is going to really know Wang Jing. Yeah. You'd be like, hey, didn't you see High Risk with Jet Li? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Meltdown, excuse me, that was yeah. the uh, the US re-release of it. But uh, yeah, so otherwise... Uh, Nothing really uh, else that I can think of, like Hong Kong or Chinese movie-wise. Uh, the trailer for Fast 9 dropped. Yes, it did. And I must say, I'm excited. It, I am too. And I think I think as soon as I saw it, I texted you and you said you had just seen it as well. So we're, our algorithms are similar yeah. on social media. <laughs> and we shared the same exact thought, that this film looks grounded again. And that's what really excites me. I mean, that's what excites me about action. And that's what excites me about like what this film's potential is. And let me clarify Gavin's definition of grounded. That This is grounded <laughs> for the Fast and Furious universe. Yeah. So uh, there's still some apeshit crazy stuff going on defying gravity the laws of gravity and all that but we both kind of felt the last two movies were kind of almost like jumping the shark a little bit you know it's like almost i don't know because for me personally in the series i love number five number five is what really sold me on the series and then i really like number six then what happened was number seven. I was like, eh, this, is, this is okay. Yeah. And then number eight. But to be honest with you, I have trouble distinguishing between seven and eight. 
No, like, that, that's I just, just don't totally really fair. When, <laughs> when we were talking about it, when we were te- going back and forth texting, I'm like, let me just rewatch the trailers for 7 and 8 so I actually know what I'm talking about because I was saying, well, this actor's in that one, but then I'm like, wait mm-hmm. a minute, that's also, he's also in number 8. And a real cool uh, tidbit of this trailer, and it's only for a second, but we get to see Mr. Jason Tobin mm-hmm. returning. Uh, he was in Tokyo Drift. Uh, you may know Jason from his role on Warrior, where he plays Young June, which mm-hmm. Warrior, in my opinion, is the the best martial arts television show maybe ever. And that's high praise because that is you know, very high praise. martial law and Walker, Texas Ranger are my two favorite TV shows. But I'm actually, I just wrote a research paper last semester on martial arts television shows, and I'm going to expand on that, especially with some of the information that comes up in the podcast today. But it was very cool getting to see Jason Tobin, who's a really nice guy, uh, Little trivia information for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the movies I acted in in China, he was one of the co-stars in. Oh, really? Yes. So that's how I got to meet him, and he was so funny. Uh, and I, I literally was mostly just a dead body on the ground for okay. two days. I did actually like do a little bit of fighting, then I get killed. And I guess the movie was so low budget they couldn't afford a dummy. And they're like, <laughs> oh, we'll just have AJ actually lie on the ground. I was straight up in like fake blood and grease and nastiness for two days. I think I almost fell asleep at one point. Either which way. Not the best experience, but meeting people like him was awesome. So shout yeah. out to Jason uh, and all the success he's seen recently. And uh, yeah, anything else? I think that's about it, unless uh, we're about to transition into our little trivia. Oh, oh, that's right. I almost forgot. Okay, so we're sticking with the whole, Gavin's going to throw out a quote. Uh, I have to guess what it is. So, and we kind of have this set up now. He's going to say the quote. If I know the quote right out the get-go, then on our outro, I will say it. If I don't, then he is going to say the quote, like mimicking the voice of the actor, which for our martial arts movies is quite easy sometimes because they were dubbed a lot and they have very distinct voice actors. So right now he's going to say it. And if I know it, then I'll say I know it. And then on the outro, I'm going to say what it is. So hit me. Here's the quote. So sad that we are on opposite sides. We could have had such a beautiful team. We could have been such a beautiful team. Ooh. Man, you said this one was easy, dog. It Well, once you hear it oh, in the okay. inflection of the actor, it will okay. become easy. All right, let's see here. Hold on. Uh, say it one more time for me. So sad that we are on opposite sides. We, we would have been such a beautiful team. You know what? I'm going to have to hear it in the voice. So are you going to do it okay. now or do we do I, it? I can do it now. Yeah, let's do it now. We'll go, and then yeah. now. Okay. Okay, I'm going to do my best. Here it goes. So sad that we are on opposite sides. We would have been such a beautiful team. Damn it. All right, I'm going to think about it for a minute while we stop and then we film the other one. So uh, I'm going to get this. It's going yeah, to come you, to you me. You will get it. And then I do have the follow-up quote if we need it, the response, oh, if it is needed okay. in the outro. Okay. All right. So uh, here is our episode. We hope you enjoy it, and we'll be back with you soon. Bye-bye. But that was a that was like a martial arts mecca, man. That, oh yeah, that boxing gym back then. Uh, the the University of Washington Intramural Sports Building boxing room. Jeez, and so this would have like, this would have been in the late seventies or early. 80s? This was right around nineteen eighty, like the late seventies, early eighties. Got it. Yeah. yeah, because I went to the University of Washington and 
19, I'd graduated from high school in 77 okay. and went to uh, there in 1978. And then so, if I'm not mistaken, uh, from uh, what I've read and watched, you started martial arts because you were inspired by Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon. Is that correct? Bruce Lee, it, it actually, you know, yeah, Enter the Dragon, but it was also Fist of Fury, ah. the Chinese connection. Um, you know, I, I saw his old, one of my friends back then was, we lived right by the Sandpoint Naval Base in okay. Seattle. And they would show movies to the, uh, for the v- veterans and stuff, or oh, for, nice. for military guys that were stationed there. And uh, I had a friend whose dad was in the military. And so we used to go there and we'd go to the PX and we'd go to the movies and stuff. And they showed a lot of Bruce Lee movies. And that's, that's where I saw him. I had already heard of him. Right. You know, and I didn't really know what who he was and what he was all about but when i saw him i I was like really inspired i was like wow man nobody messes with that dude (laughs) and so you were born in seattle right yeah and uh your father is japanese american correct yes cool and that's where your surname of hirabayashi yes yes did i pronounce that correctly What, what generation was your father he was a Nisei. Nisei, okay. Yeah, and my uncle is that, you know, got the Presidential Medal of Freedom from Obama because he he uh, he was one of the guys who fought his case. He didn't want to go to the relocation. He was going to the University of Washington, too, uh-huh. at the time, and he was really buying into the Constitution and right. that he was a natural U.S. citizen, and so he refused to go when they did the the relocation. My dad was only 12, though. Okay. This was his older brother. And so my dad went to the camps. Did, did your uncle end up getting relocated to the one camp that was, I forget what it's called. No, he went to prison. Okay, because it was he actually went to prison. He had one camp that was for the, re, the people who were resisting it. Uh, he, I don't think he went to that camp. Okay. No, whatever that was, no. Because there was a couple other guys. There was a Korimatsu. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, he, uh, he ended up, Winning his case in 1984. That's amazing. 50 years later. Yeah, that, I, I used to work at the Rafu which is the Japanese American newspaper in Little, that was based out of Little Tokyo. Oh. And so they, they had to shut down only one year, and that was during their relocation, but then they reopened oh. the, the presses afterwards. So wow. I, some of the people who were. It's interesting. Editor was like the, was one of the resistors of the, of the relocation. So oh. Like he. Oh. And we get history lessons from him. About he probably it. knew my uncle, you know, because my and my other uncle was was the curator of the Japanese American Museum for several years. Oh, really? What? Uh, yeah. Jim Hirabayashi. James okay. Hirabayashi. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. After after the Rockaway, I went across the street to the Japanese American Cultural and Community Center, so JCCC, and we would collaborate uh, with them sometimes. Uh, so then, uh, how old were you when you started martial arts? Uh, officially. 12. Okay. But um, when, uh, but I had gotten a book on karate before that. Okay. Um, and I was pretty serious about trying to learn the kicks from the picture. Yeah. Like <laughs> Do you um, remember whose book it was? Was it like uh, Fumio Demura? Or? <clears throat> it was just a, fr- it, it, uh, no, it wasn't Fumio Demura. Okay. It was, it was that Naka, uh, he, he was a, he, the guy, the picture in the book, the pictures uh-huh. in the book were really good photographs. Oh, nice. Like of a fl- the guy doing a flying side kick, yeah. <laughs> all the different kicks. But I forget his name. Naka. He was a big karate champion in Japan. Okay. I think I think he was. Uh, 
Shotokan. Okay. You know, but. Makes sense. So then uh, you were self-teaching from a book, which I think pretty much all of us that have been obsessed with martial arts have done it at one point or another, because yeah. I know I definitely did with, uh, I wanted to learn Jeet Kune Do so bad when I was a kid, but where I grew up, you know, I just went to the local Taekwondo school. It's all we had, but I would learn from like the Bruce Lee books in my room and try my best. But so then what was the first style you officially started? Um, it was, uh, you know, I don't know exactly okay. what the name of it was, but it was Kung Fu. Okay. You know, and uh, I don't, I, I don't think my instructor really knew either. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. he was always giving me different stories, you know, and so I couldn't really, he said it was Northern style Got it. Kung Fu though. And so I took that to sort of mean, a lot of times I tell people Northern Shaolin, right. but it wasn't really Northern Shaolin. I think he was sort of, and he also had a black belt in Taekwondo. Okay. And some form of Japanese karate, apparently. Right. And uh, he was, he was uh, you know, I mean, he, he had beautiful kicks. And, you know, I mean, he, he was a really good technician and stuff. He was just a little bit... Uh, a little out there? Yeah. Is that a nice way of putting it? Yeah. All right, all right. So, you know... It, his name, by the way, Master uh -huh. Roger Tung. Okay. And T U N G. And uh, I was with him for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. In fact, I taught, he moved down here. And then I, when I, I wanted to come down here and hopefully get into some movies. Okay. And so I, I worked for him for a while down here, too. Oh. I taught at a school out in the Monterey Park area. Oh, nice. That's uh, closer to like where I go to Cal State LA and stuff. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of great Chinese food out there, too. Yes, there is. Yes, the best. <laughs> I've been to a lot of the places. Yeah. So, obviously, you start uh, some form of Chinese martial arts, what is maybe like a, a Beituan, like a Northern Fist. Uh, and then, so what age were you when you started competing in uh, Wushu and Fulham? Well, I started competing almost right away. Oh, okay. With Roger. Right. When he started going to, he was, had already gone to a lot of tournaments before me, apparently, and uh, he started taking a group of us students who wanted to compete, and so I started competing when I was about twelve. Okay, you know, and so I competed in the kids division. I didn't really know any forms. I was just doing the fighting. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you were just doing sparring at that point? Yeah. Oh, wow. For a long time, I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. So was this? Uh... I got rated in fighting before I got rated in forms. That's Most so people not, don't know that. Well, I was saying it's not in I, any... I just dug these out, too, because, you know, like, I, I wanted to show my wife that, uh, you know, I, I was raided for years in fighting, you know? Wow. Um, because that's never in, like, any of the, the documentation on you or, you know, the, the articles. I or... got noticed a lot more for forms. Yeah. That's I got so, noticed. That's so interesting because I was just re-watching uh, the Golden Harvest documentary they did, uh, uh martial arts in the movies or yeah. whatever it's called and you they do your interview and john saxon highlights once again all of your tournament accomplishments which are incredible but i've always thought just from watching you in the movies and especially a lot of the kickboxing centric roles you had i was like he had to have fought for reals like you can tell when someone has that that instinct and that mm -hmm. you know those fighting movements so was this like uh traditional point karate or what was the rule yeah, set? I, yeah, I fought in everything, though. Okay. I, I fought in the full contact type AU Taekwondo tournaments. Oh, wow. I, I took kickboxing matches. Okay. I was going to become a professional kickboxer. Oh, that was, that was the direction I was going in. And then I took that trip to China. Okay. And studied Wushu. 
you know, and then I came back and I got noticed so much for it. I was like, wow, <laughs> this is going to be easier way of getting into movies than becoming a kickboxer. Yeah. And you know? what year was it that you went to China? 1980. Oh my gosh. Okay. So for a lot of uh, listeners that don't know, China didn't even open itself back up to America, I believe, until 1978. Yeah. Uh, you would maybe know the, the dates a little bit. I think I, well, my, my family ended up living there in the eight, in 1986. Okay. So 1980, I can only imagine. Yeah. Well, we went to Nanjing. You know how okay. each province yeah. had a Wushu team? Yeah. 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 And so we trained with the Jiangsu Wushu team. Wow. wow. And there was a coach named Wang Jinbao who okay. was, you know, they called him the monkey king. He, yeah. he used to do the monkey. <laughs> uh-huh. and, but he was just a badass dude. Man, smoked. Drank, they all like, do like crazy and and then you know he was in his 40s and he could do aerial cartwheels repeating you know like it's like the, that. and it's, i was like well this guy is bad but i didn't realize you know what i didn't realize when i went to china was that these people didn't fight yeah you know, like and so they always wanted me to demonstrate fighting like we would go with the team and they they were doing a demo for the local people or whatever and me and Roger and some of the other guys would demonstrate fighting. Oh wow! You know, and so it was interesting. It was fun. Yeah, you know, and that's a phenomenal time. Like you were you were in China when Mao was still chairman. Wasn't was he? Mao's no, 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 no. no. no it was. Yeah, I forget no, the I gentleman's so. name. Yeah, uh, Deng yeah. Maybe that was him. Yeah, yeah it was definitely yeah, post Mao. Uh, okay. Yeah, and because that time, that's around when. Uh, uh, I forget the gentleman's name. The author who wrote Iron and Silk went. It was it was when they were yeah, first yeah, yeah. opening the doors to a lot of that. Did but, you know uh, that first trip we we went with Donnie Yen? Oh right. no Isn't way! That interesting. That's so, super interesting because yeah. that's around the time his parents probably sent him there. I knew Donnie. Whoa, yeah. a little bit. You know, I mean, we 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 went. We were training together and uh-huh. stuff like that. And he was really interested in the praying mantis. Oh, you know, I remember. And his mom. Went on the trip too. Yeah, both in March. Yeah, yeah. The, the Tai Chi master. That's yeah. incredible. And so the, I find it so funny when you talk about the smoking a cigarette because my uh, Sanda coach I was telling you about uh, when I trained in Sanda, he took me to his Tai Chi master in a village uh, called Jiaxiang, about two hours out of Shanghai. And this guy's doing what would be like kind of the chi, the Tai Chi Chi Sao. He's doing it with one hand while smoking his <laughs> cigarette, yeah. dancing in a circle with this guy and like turning him, and then he's just like, Argh. and I'm yeah. like, wow. That's kind of scary, but also incredible. So uh, you go over there, you do that trip, you come back, and that's when you decide, wow, I'm getting really recognized for the wushu, and you decide to focus on that, correct? Yeah. I mean, I kept fighting, though. Okay. I always kept fighting, and I always kept up with it. When I moved down here in 1985, you know, I had my whole group of guys that I trained with up in Seattle right. that, that all hung around the boxing you yeah. mentioned that to me before, if you want to talk okay. about that a little bit, the uh, Intercollegiate Boxing Club, right? Yeah, it was just a boxing club like like you might have a badminton club at right. a college. It was a boxing club. And I also had a kung fu club that I was uh, teaching kung fu, you know. Oh, wow. Both uh, at the University of Washington. Yeah, okay. yeah. And there was a Taekwondo club. And I knew the coach of the Taekwondo, who was another guy I trained with a lot. I had such great guys to train with up there. Um, the guy was a former running back for the Baltimore Colts. Okay. So he's Leon Preston. Okay. He actually ended up becoming a professor at the University of Washington, but he he was on the under five, the five ten and under national champion basketball team. Okay. He was very athletic, but he was the AAU national heavyweight 
uh, Taekwondo champion. Oh, wow. And this guy used to kick my ass yeah. around the ring like, <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. I remember getting punched once so hard in the chest that I felt my rib cage just go like that, you know? <laughs> and, and so when I went to a tournament and fought, it was like, because this guy was big, strong, fast, you know, very athletic. When I go to a tournament, it feel like a day off. Yeah. You know, I feel like, wow, these guys are easy. <laughs> and you that's, know? I mean, that's how you become the best. You know, as they say, iron sharpens iron, right? Yeah. You train with not only the best, but okay, for example, me, I fight 147 pounds welterweight. I'm gonna try to fight with, for example, like Vince, you know, uh, one of our teammates who fights in the UFC, you know, he outweighs me by 30, 40 pounds. Yeah. It's like a freight train. That's yeah. the guy I have to, you know, fight with yeah. to get ready for the guys in my division. Same thing. They may land a shot and it's like, <laughs> you know, like, okay, this yeah. is no problem. Yeah. But, uh, exactly. so then around that period, I just want to go over some of your titles. Uh, so we have the Waco weapons and forms champion, 1986 and 1987, correct? Uh, Waco. Waco, a WAKO. I only went there once. Oh, one okay. Year, one year. Oh, okay. But I won. I won the forms and the weapons. Got it. And I did, didn't actually get to fight there. There was no spot. Right. Yeah. So and I, is is this the same Waco, the uh, World uh, Athletic Kickboxing Organizations, or is this a different one? Yeah, you got me. Okay, no worries. I thought it was World Amateur karate or it very well could be there's so many and it was the, big yeah. though because yeah. we were it was at the olympic auditorium in munich and it was standing room only it was it was i'd never seen anything like wow. it people were cheering like like soccer you know how they cheer for yeah. soccer i couldn't believe it man it was it was huge there was 14 or fifteen thousand people Jesus. watching where yeah. was this in munich in munich got yeah. it wow and then so you were the Wushu All-Around Champion, 1984-85. That was here okay. in, in the U.S., national champion. Got yeah. it. You were Inside Kung Fu Competitor of the Year, 1983 and 1986. Yes. And you won the Bermuda Internationals four years in a row, correct? Yeah. Okay. That was, that was I was really proud of that because yeah. that was an event where a, a billionaire who lives in Bermuda put up all the money, flew the judges in. Judges were all, all wearing yeah. nice jackets. It was all really professional. And they gave out more prize money than any event in the history of point karate. Yeah. You know? And um, I won the Forms Grand Championship and the Weapons Grand Championship all four years. Wow. And I also placed in fighting like two of the years. Okay. Yeah. So... Uh, once again, when reading about all these accomplishments, uh, did you, uh, so you placed in sparring at that event. Did you win any titles or championships in uh, sparring or? Uh, One of the ones that I was proudest of was the Long Beach Internationals. Oh, okay. In 19, I think it was, it had to be either 1989 or 1990. Wait a second. Sorry. 1979 or 1980. Got it. The lightweight division had like, I want to say like just the lightweight division. They had four weight divisions uh -huh. for, for black belt. Mm -hmm. It was the biggest like black belt division I had ever seen. Yeah. There was like 80 guys just in my division, something like that. Wow. So, so when they line you up in the beginning, I'm going, Oh, you're kidding me. Wow. This is a lot. And so I had to have like, I had, I must've had like, I want to say eight or nine fights to Ooh. get to the final. Yeah. And then I lost. I, oh. I, I took second. Okay. That's I took second in the lightweight division there, but I lost to a really good guy. Yeah. And, I, and ev almost every person I fought, I kicked in the head. <laughs> I was really proud of that too. Um, but it was, you know, like in, back in those days, like a lot of those tournaments, you know, it, 
it felt like full contact point mm -hmm. right know, because people were basically trying to take your head off mm -hmm. and so you had to you know there were the guys who were just scoring points but there were always full contact fighters that were entering point tournaments and they didn't change the way yep. they did anything especially when you kind of get to know because i've over the years you know i i only compete obviously in full contact now but in the years i've done tournaments of varying rules and you also know those certain referees like you'll throw one hard kick did he say anything yeah you throw oh. that second hard kick all right I, this guy's cool we can we can go a little bit harder yeah <laughs> i've seen it a lot down here you know when we we take our kids out to tournaments yeah and, and uh you know it, it just, just some of the judges, it's pretty much full contact. And it's always been kind of tough in California, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, that's how you learn to. Oh, you know? 100%. And I've always been grateful for the guys who tried to take my head off. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so when you were doing your weapons and forms uh, competitions, were you doing set wushu forms or were these kind of ones that you explored and created yourself? Explored and created yeah. myself. You know, the, one of my favorite forms, though, was a an eagle claw form, which the guy from the Jiangsu okay. Wushu guy taught me. Okay. But I, I even evolved that. I even changed it along the way because I like I, I, when I'm doing a form, I want to feel like I'm doing stuff that and a lot that that would work in a fight. And also, I think that's why people liked it here, because I think even karate judges could go, oh, that looks powerful that I can relate to. Yeah. You know, or whatever. And so if you're doing wushu and it looks very dancey or something like that, you know, I, I think you're not going to win here, you know, um, with, when the judges are karate guys and you're competing against karate guys. So right. I always tried to make my forms strong, you know. And that's something you talked about in your Inside Kung Fu article, which I happen to actually bring and brush oh. up on. And just as a heads up, I did not buy this later. You can see that's my original shipping oh. address. So, oh, I've, held, so awesome. I've held on to this magazine for 16 oh. years. Oh. Uh, even all my years living in China, I managed to hold on to a, a one box full of all the top ones. I was like, all right, that's yeah. one with Jason Scott Lee. I was like, all right, that's one with Keith Cook. So, right. But it's great in this article because you talk about the 17 uh, ways of competing and winning and I felt they were so relatable to fighting and now it makes so much more sense knowing that you also competed in full contact in uh, sparring events uh, and the ones that related directly for me were doing not doing vary the speed you know even in, you don't go gung-ho the whole time you have to pace yourself right in a yeah, kickboxing yeah. match imaginary battle which is something Sugarfoot talks about when we're uh, doing our shadow boxing yeah. you don't just stand there and no, you're going over the curriculum in your head. You're imagining the scenario. You're playing it out. Uh, serious fitness, obviously. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're. Super I always fit. said I didn't want. <laughs> I didn't want to lose a match because the other guy was in better shape. Right. Than me. If somebody's more talented or, you know, did their homework better or something like that, that you know, I can understand. But I, you know, being coming in in good shape. Yeah. You should have that handled. Any athlete should have that handled. A hundred percent. Responsible. Fractions in training, meaning, you know, you don't do the same thing every day. You don't necessarily even do it the whole amount every day. You, you, you break it up, uh, learning fearlessness, finding inspiration. That's a big one at Sugarfoot. Always, you know, he gives us our homework. He's yeah. like, go back and watch Superfoot. Go back and watch Andy Hoog, right? Yeah. Uh, the white belt attitude I liked. Fueling up, you know, good nutrition. But the one for me that in the last year I felt really helped me and the success I've had is the yin and yang that balance of, you know, hard and soft, which yes. I think is essential for any martial artist or competitor. And even as a fighter, you have to, you have to have that balance, both in your training, both in your approach. Uh, and it'll just make things so much better for you. 
I agree. Yeah, I agree. So that's that's great insight. The best fighters have a good balance of yin and yang. Yes, you know, uh, you you can't like be too soft, mm -hmm. you know. And if you're just depending on the hard, then if somebody's stronger than you, you're not going to win. Right. You know? And uh, and so yeah. And uh, so then, what made you decide to retire from competition? Oh, I was starting to get more regular jobs doing movies. All right. You know? And then, so you had mentioned before, you moved down here specifically to uh, get into the movies. And then, uh, what was, when did, as they say, when did Hollywood come calling? What was the first big gig for you? <clears throat> well, the first big gig was when Fred Weintraub one day called me on the phone. Mm -hmm. And I've told this story. It's one, it's one of my favorite stories. Okay. I had already done really big Hollywood pictures, like, like uh, at this point, um, Picasso Trigger. Okay. <laughs> a Playboy Bunny movie. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a really funny one because I went on the audition because somebody in my acting class, his girlfriend's dad was doing the movie. His name was Andy Sedaris. He was an NFL director. Okay. Who decided to make movies with Playboy Bunnies. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to make you all stars. <laughs> <laughs> and he made them in Hawaii. And so it was really fun. I got mm -hmm. to go to Hawaii for a trip and work with Playboy Bunny. So it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Tough life. But the audition was the funniest thing. Like, like, like they, they were like, okay, so they gave me the sides, you know, you have right. to read some lines and it was like, hey, that, that was literally, it was like, hey. No, go, I don't know okay, if I can Say hey. I go, hey. And they go, can you do a backflip? I said, yes. And they go, you got the part. <laughs> Excellent. And then, uh, so you, you already mentioned right there, you were taking acting lessons. You yeah. were, and I, yeah. I feel... Uh, in all honesty, that really paid off because we've talked about this numerous times. There's certain actors that sometimes their acting performances evolved. Maybe their first roles were kind of like, ugh, and they got better. Some that just never got better at all. But I feel like right out the gate, you had that acting ability, that charisma, uh, where it's just like you knew what you were doing. And so that paid off, obviously, doing those acting lessons for sure. Yeah, and I mean, if I, so. if I can just interject there, like literally like going back and watching your earlier films, what, what I see in your films, you're listening. And uh, like, China O'Brien's a great example of that. You're listening from an early point on. I'm like, that clearly had, that is clearly related to either natural instinct or acting training in the two right. line. Mm -hmm. And so then your first big starring role would be as Dakota mm -hmm. in China O'Brien, correct? Yes. All right. Very cool. Yeah. And so, so one day I oh. came home from training, actually. Which I just got to pick up at Amoeba Records wow. about two weeks ago. Coincidentally enough, they had it. I snatched that. So, wow. yeah. Anyway, um, I came home from working out one day. I had, I had like, you know, my Kung Fu pants on. Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, the phone rings. I pick it up and it's Fred Weintraub. He, he, says, he says, hey, this is Fred Weintraub. I was like, come on. Yes. I thought somebody was playing a joke. On right. Me. And this could be, couldn't be, you know, I mean, that, that would be, you know. And, and um, he said, no, this is really Fred Weintraub. I, I'm doing a movie. And Dave Cater from Inside Kung Fu Magazine okay. told him, he called him and said, do you know anyone who might be good for this role? And he, he told him about me. And he traveled uh, with us a lot with the team. I was on a couple of professional teams okay. that were sponsored and we'd travel around the world. We went on a trip to South Africa together. Ooh. I got to know, uh, I fought in the South African games actually. Oh, okay. Um, Boxing? Uh, no, it was, it was point karate oh, okay. got with, it. with Billy Blanks. Oh, they were all on my team. Yeah. Steve Nasty Anderson, okay. uh, Linda Denley. And, uh, anyway, 
Um, so I got to know Dave Cater and, and Bill Wallace was on that trip. Oh, nice. I got to know Bill Wallace really well because we, we, I don't know, we end up working together on, on things, a few different, not, not movie stuff, martial arts things. Right. But yeah. you and Billy did work on a couple of movies yes, together. Yes, yes. China O'Brien 2 yeah. and, of course, yeah. King of the Kickboxers. Yeah. Oh, so, back to my story. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> one, one uh, he goes, I go, uh, he goes, I want you to come over right now to my office. I'd like to interview you for this part. And I was like, okay, I'll take a shower and I'll be right over. He goes, no, no, no. I want you to come over right now. <laughs> right now. Don't take a shower. Don't do anything. Come over right now. And oddly enough... I lived in West LA at the time, and his office was in West LA, so okay. it, was, it was literally five minutes away. Okay. And I was there in like ten minutes from our phone call, and I was so pumped up. I was so <laughs> like, I was like, "This is my shot," yeah. you know. And so I sat down in the meeting and, and with him and his daughter Sandra, and he he was like, he was like, "So we hear you do martial arts." I was like, "You want to see some?" <laughs> 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 and. Um, I would always like on a on a martial arts interview if they wanted to see martial arts I was yeah. just so ready you know like I was always ready and and like on the King of the Kickboxer interview Lauren Avedon was there at the interview and I actually saw um, Don Wilson there oh wow he, he had gone in before me really? for the same role of Crom yeah or, uh, I, th Crom I think so sorry, I think he was okay. up for the same role and it was really funny because I went and I did the lines that they gave me and everything and then the producer goes. Uh, we want to see some martial arts. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and he had, he had, he, what do you need to see? You know, and I started kicking and doing stuff. And then uh, he was smiling, you know, and then uh, he goes, Lauren, go out there. And, and so I'm thinking, <laughs> this is a top Muay Thai guy, you know. Yeah. And I started kicking him on the legs and I was doing kicks like right by his head, you uh -huh. know. And he was like, ah, <laughs> 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 because I wanted to get the part. Yeah. Well, and I'd imagine for you, when you do, excuse me, when you would display those martial arts for them, for them, it was just sort of like, okay, sold, you got it. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. So, so, and that's really interesting because you're one of the few people that worked on, so you did the two China O'Brien movies, which were produced by Golden Harvest. That was one of Golden Harvest's attempts mm -hmm. to kind of do these American Hong Kong crossovers. But you also worked on King of the Kickboxers, which was seasonal films. Yes. And they were the other one. And I feel like they had obviously more success because really they took a lot more of the Hong Kong approach. Yeah. And when it came to the making, when it came to the fights especially. Yeah. And uh, however, I still love the fights in China, O'Brien. And I've always wondered. So the fight choreographer of the film is just one name. It's Nigel. Yeah. <laughs> was, was that the guy's name? Yeah, was but it? I think his name was Nigel Ben. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Very nice guy. Okay. But I don't think he had a lot of experience. Right. You know? I think his experience was watching a lot of movies. Got it. Wanting to be in movies. And um, he had a good flair about him, you know, and he was a good martial artist, I remember. And then when you went to work on King of the Kickboxers, that was uh, Siu Hong Leung, uh, another Tony Leung with the English mm -hmm. name. And so what was the difference working on the fight, say, on China O'Brien and King of the Kickboxers? Well, King of the Kickboxers, I didn't have a lot of fights. Right. right? I had that one fight uh, against multiple opponents. And uh, maybe you didn't know this, but uh, uh, Corey Yuen came in and directed that fight. I did oh, not okay. know that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's a, that makes sense, though. Yeah. Right? I didn't really fight. know who he was at the time, except they told me this guy is big. Yeah. He's oh, big. Goodness. And the interesting thing is, you know, when you work on a movie like that, when 
when the action starts, the action director takes over, yes. and the you know the other guy, the the drama director sits down. Right, you know? <laughs> that's the Hong Kong style. But you know, and I had already seen that on this film, and then but when Corey Yoon came in, mm -hmm. oh my God, it was like E. F. Hutton. You yeah. know, it was like everybody was quiet all of a sudden. Everybody was running around, you know, and he was really nice. He was really nice to me, you know, and um, I felt really honored that I got to work with him, though. And, and uh, you know, he, he was like, he was like, okay, these guys are going to come at, what, what do you want to do to this guy? And they wanted me to kick. They didn't want me to punch. Yeah. I said, no, 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 no. I don't want you to punch him. Kick him, kick him, you know, and I was like, okay. Uh, how about this? He goes, great, great. Okay. And then these guys are going to come from here. Mm -hmm. How about this? And he, he was the one, you know, I had to hold my foot out yeah. and do the Bruce Lee thing. He said, he asked me if I could do that. You know, I said, sure. Yeah, I can do that. I could try. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the, the triple kick at the end, I think yeah. he asked me too, can you do a triple kick on this guy? Can you kick him three times? And I was like, sure, sure. So, because I've always wondered about that, and it's funny you brought up that Donnie Yen connection earlier, because that's the kick at the time he was very well known for. Had you ever seen him perform that triple kick? Or He had already done that before me? Yeah, he had done that in uh, a couple movies. I'm trying to think uh, which one would have been at that period. Did he do it in the line of duty four? I hadn't seen him. Yeah, no, no, so that's, that's real interesting, because uh, I've always said, I think the two fastest kickers ever on screen were you, and Donnie Yen. Yeah. And so that's, it's, it's pretty interesting, the parallels there. Well, it, yeah, it, it, and I was, I was just as I was rewatching the film yesterday, like that fight scene just seemed so different and cleaner and from the other fight scenes, the other fight scenes are, they're, you know, when they're doing like the special kicks, uh -huh. all these close-ups of like, here's the kick, here's the kick. Whereas yours was just like this wide fight scene that looked like something almost right out of writing wrongs. Yeah, which is the, Corey Ewan, yeah. yeah. So it's just like, that, that yeah. really explains things, the two of you working together, and, and the fact that you guys had give and take. Did you, did you going back to China O'Brien for a second with Nigel, did, did he like work with, ask you for input on those scenes, or was he? Um, yeah, and, and, and he was really busy because there were so many fight scenes, you know, right. and stuff, <laughs> you know, reminds me of, you know, like, Burt Richardson, do you know Burt? Yeah. Yeah. Heat Seeker. He, he was, yeah, Heat Seeker. And um, I already knew Burt before he ended up getting that job because I used to train with him. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I wanted to learn the, the Cali and the trapping and all that stuff, you know. And um, and so I used to take private lessons with him. Oh, wow. You know? And then, uh, uh, you know, he ended up doing that. But, you know, I was thinking, you know, I was in something like 14 fight scenes in that movie. Yeah. And it was a 10-day shoot. <laughs> and there was very little rehearsal. Right. You know, because you just had to, you had to kind of go for it. And yeah. plus they, they shot everything in a wide shot. So, yeah. I mean, it's way different than... I, I just feel like the level of professionalism from yeah. him and yeah. the way he was so respected by everybody who was yeah. working mm -hmm. there, that it, it made that fight be, you know, have a shot at being yeah. more successful because of... You know, everybody wanted to help, you know, and and uh, and he knew exactly what he wanted, even though he was asking me, what would you do here? Mm -hmm. He already had a picture of how he wanted the fight to go and how yeah. he was going to move, where he was going to place the cameras and how the camera was going to move. Like yeah. he set up a track nice. on that one part where, where I did that. Yeah. The camera could yeah. move the other way, I think, or whatever. And uh, but, you know. 
it was great to see that. Can know? I ask one more question? How, how long did it take for that one? How long did you guys spend on that one? Place? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, and and uh, I don't know if I can remember exactly, but it wasn't very long. Mm-hmm. It was it was re- including rehearsals and mm-hmm. shooting it and everything. I want to say, you know, under ten hours. You know, under <laughs> under Jeez. eight hours probably. Wow, that's incredible. The whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And then, so after King of the Kickboxers, I'd say maybe your biggest starring role then really was Heat Seeker. Would you agree? As the leading man? I mean, that's the only one. Yeah. Other than those two pilots I did where I played the lead in both TV pilots. Oh, I did not know about it. One for Fox and one for ABC, I think. Were these martial arts-based TV Mm -hmm. shows? Yeah. They were Uh, developed around me. Okay. Actually... You know, Fred Weintraub kind of led me there, too. I mean, he, he really was a big believer. He ch- tried to get me a three-picture deal with uh, Golden Harvest. Okay. And I actually got the offer. I actually met with Raymond Chow. Oh, that's Just awesome. me and him sitting right. in a room that's talking, wonderful. you know. He wanted to see if he approved, I guess. Yeah. And they approved. And they actually offered me a three-picture pay-or-play deal with a two-picture option. Okay. And I already had a lawyer who thought, Keith, you just got here. Come on, you're, you're going to... You're, you're, you're going to get offers here. Why do you want to go to Hong Kong, you know? And I've always, uh, I really wanted to go, you know, but he just didn't think it was a good idea. Man. Bummer. Yeah. Bummer, lawyer. Bum, yeah, bummer, bummer for us. Yeah. <laughs> we would have eaten those up. And uh, so real quick, uh, just because I'm actually writing a research paper right now on martial arts television, uh, what years were these shows that you were in development? The, the, uh, the, we actually shot pilots for uh-huh. both of them, or presentations, right? Not mm-hmm. full episodes, but um, it was the the first one had to be because uh, China O'Brien was ni- nineteen eighty eight, right? So King of the Kickboxers was probably around nineteen ninety or something like that. Okay, this must have been nineteen ninety one. Okay, you know, just after those things. Uh, and was this the one for Fox or? Because it was after Born to Ride. Okay, got when it. When I got back from Born to Ride, that's when Fred was like trying to get some stuff going. They tried to get a movie going for me at Warner Brothers too. And they actually wrote the script and everything. It was called Beyond the Shield. It was oh, about wow. a kid who was, you know, becoming a cop. He was in the academy and his parents owned a Korean market. Uh-huh. And they get robbed and murdered. And he, he kind of, Quits the academy and goes rogue, trying to solve the crime. Okay. Anyway, um, Brandon Lee's Brandon Lee was making. They were hoping Brandon Lee's movie would be really successful, Showdown in Little Tokyo. Oh. And when it when it didn't do well, they decided not to go forward with that one. Um, but uh, so around that time, I did one. Uh, it was called it was called Noble Quest. Okay. And I was playing, even though I was older than that, I was playing a young guy who was born in Vietnam, looking for his GI father here. Okay. And uh, only has his high school ring as a clue. And oh. it was supposed to be kind of like the Kung Fu series. Yeah. You know? And I'm going to search, and I encounter different challenges along the way. And one of them is the boat that I came in and I get wrongly, you know, so kind of like the fugitive. Yeah. I get wrongly uh, blamed for a murder. So I become a, uh, you know, on the run. Guy, and at the same time, I'm looking for my father, oh, and uh, and I really wish that one would have gone. It was really cool, wow. you know. I'm really proud of it too. We didn't have much rehearsal time or anything, 
Jeff Imata was a stunt coordinator. Oh, we did one fight scene, and it came out fairly good. It was the same thing. We had about six hours, yeah. you know, and rehearsal. And uh, I wish I could show it to you. I'm, I actually want to show My son's never seen it. Oh. My stepdaughters have never seen it. And my wife has never seen it. And so it's just sitting in a box someplace okay. in my garage, and I have to dig it out and get it digitized. You know? Okay. And I wanna, I'm probably going to put it out some, somewhere. Nice. Know? And which network was that one for specifically? I think, I'm pretty sure that was ABC. Okay. And it was, it was, uh, it was uh, the guy who, the producer was the guy who produced Roots. Um, oh, my gosh. Now I'm drawing a blank, too. Um, Anyway, the main, it was his production company. So, yeah. it, it, but we, we started a little late. Most of the good directors were already taken for the pilot season. Mm -hmm. And then we got that late start and we got this director and, you know, it ended up being, I think, like a 12 minute, uh, you know, sort of like a teaser or yeah. they, they call it a presentation. But, you know, it, it came out pretty cool, yeah. you know, and... Uh, the, I had a pet mouse that I caught on the boat and I had that with me. And the way I get in a fight is I'm with this girl I met who uh -huh. I'm teaching Tai Chi to. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're having lunch and this guy comes by and he says, hey, what are you doing? You know, like, like that. And he, he, he messes with me and then my mouse goes on the ground and he steps on it. Oh, steps on my mouse. Mistake. And, and then I was like, I grab him right away and put him in a joint lock. And he's like, ah, like that. And, uh -huh. and, but I let him go. Right. And then he jumps me with his friends. And I'm still with the girl walking. They come out and they jump me and we get in this fight. And it's pretty cool. It's, yeah. it, was, it was cool. Well, hopefully you managed to get that digitized and on YouTube or something so people yeah. can see it. Yeah. That would be yeah. amazing. Yeah. And then I did a pilot for, um, later on I got uh, Suzanne DePass as a manager. Who okay. was from the whole uh, Motown Records. Oh. She was Barry Gordy's right-hand person. Uh. She, they say she discovered Michael Jackson. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but, but she did uh, Lonesome Dove, okay. Um, okay. the miniseries. Yeah. Um, right. She wrote, uh, she won an Academy Award for writing Lady Sings the Blues with, oh. uh, with another person. And um, so she was, you know, pretty big producer. And we did this thing called, um, what was it called? Um, tropical heat. Okay. It was supposed to be like a kind of a Hawaii Five-O. Right. We shot it in Hawaii. Um, John Landis directed it. Oh, John Landis? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We didn't click very well. Oh. Yeah, that was a big problem. <laughs> it um, happens. You know, um, I know he's a great director, done a lot of great work. Um, I think this was later on in his career and... Um, like, you know, I don't want to talk bad about it, but it, yeah. we just didn't click, and, and I didn't resource him the way I probably should have because I just felt like we didn't really see eye to eye. Yeah. But uh, it was about a, a guy who um, accidentally shoot. he's a cop, mm -hmm. and he, has, he accidentally shoots an old man who had a toy gun in a dark, you oh. know, after he got the call, you know, and... Um, so he got put on leave, and then he's back, and then they give him a new partner. And the partner's kind of a goofy guy from Wisconsin. Okay. And so 
it was that and um, hence the John Landis uh, yeah. directing angle with the kind of the yeah it was kind of a con he, you yeah. know, like and and it seemed like the direction was always Keith smile come on smile you know and I didn't just didn't see it that way well you definitely played a a, a lot of <clears throat> serious like brooding kind of characters yeah too, yeah so. yeah you would anticipate that if you're if you're a cop that's coming out of uh, suspension or a break for killing someone. Well, that was a little bit where I got stuck. I yeah, think. I, I think I was there. I was with you on yeah. that, definitely. Anyway, so post TV show uh, pilots, post uh, Heat Seeker, which if we have time, we'll come back and talk about later. Uh, then comes Mortal Kombat. Yeah, which uh, for a lot of people that may not know, the first movie you played Reptile in the suit. Right, and in my opinion, because I remember even seeing it as a kid. The uh, two best fight scenes in that movie are, second best would be Johnny Cage versus uh, Scorpion. Right. Right. And then the next one, though, the best in the movie is Reptile versus Liu Kang, which is Robin Shu. And you guys, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Robin Shu, I think, told me when I met him at Dragon Fest, he actually choreographed those two fights himself. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure that's why that fight, it just, it's a step above all the others. You're like, this yeah. is like a Hong Kong movie. Yeah. And so what was that experience like on that? It, it, was, it was really cool. I mean, I, I actually auditioned for Liu Kang. Oh. And, yeah. And I went in like five times. Okay. You know? But anyway, so obviously Robin ended up getting it. And I've known Robin since like 1981 or 82 because we went on a trip to China together. And my instructor and his instructor knew each other really well. And Anyway, so we, we go way back and we were really good friends and had worked out together a lot. And they had shot the whole movie and felt like the action wasn't quite where they wanted it to be. And so one day he just called me up and said, hey, Keith, they're looking to do another fight and I would like to do it with you. And I was like, cool, let's right do it. On. And it was in the Viet Van Nuys Airport and so was the other fight that you had. Oh. And so they put some money into it and, you know, we took six days to shoot that. And that's, so that was the longest of a shoot I'd ever spent on a fight scene because I'd always been on low budget movies yeah. where, you, where you're moving really fast, you know, and you don't get much rehearsal time and, and stuff like that. So this was a big luxury. And also, you know, I got to work with Robin and, and have some input, you know, mm -hmm. which was great. And, um, yeah, and Jeff Yamato was there again. Oh, yeah, very he was cool. there. I didn't he know was, he was on Mortal he was Kombat. The, he was the, on, the, on those after shoots. Uh-huh. In the Van Nuys Airport, he was he was the stunt coordinator. Okay, yeah. but Robin choreographed. Yeah, and so we got more rehearsal time and stuff like that. It's funny because as a kid, the reason I knew it was you was because of the, the very distinctive, like as you might say, key eyes that you use. Like you yeah, could yeah. hear it through. I was oh, like, wait oh, a minute. Yeah. That sounds like Keith Cook from China O'Brien. Yeah, and then I go and look it up. I was like, it was Keith Cook from China O'Brien, and that that fight scene is just. It's awesome. The yeah. whole thing's awesome. Yeah. And then obviously you appeared in the second one as well, where you played the young Sub-Zero. Yeah. And uh, then after that, uh, aside from, I mean, I know you appeared in Red Trousers, the, the documentary that Robin Shu did. And then did you kind of just decide to leave the acting world and focus on being a trainer or what was? Well, you know, you know, um, actually, you know, we opened this place, like I was telling you, in 1994. Right. And it kind of takes you over because, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I've thought about this a lot, you know, because I think, I think actually Donnie Yen is this way, you mm -hmm. know, and 
Bruce Lee to a degree, you know, even though Bruce Lee kind of grew up in the movie business with his parents, he was a martial artist, right. you know, and so was Donnie Yen, so am I, you know, martial artists who become actors, you know, and I just think that uh, uh, it's, it's a little, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I felt really complimented that you guys appreciated my acting skills, but I, I know that, you know, really I'm a martial artist and, you know, when you start teaching kids, you know, and, and you feel this responsibility and also you feel like you're really accomplishing something that could be important for somebody's future, you know, yeah. and it kind of takes you over, you know, and that kind of happened to me. And so it started getting less important to drive to Burbank for right. some audition that you, you know, because you end up going on all these silly auditions that, yeah. you know, half of more than half of the auditions I went on, I wasn't even right for the part, mm. you know? and stuff and so anyway it's it's uh i just i love the martial arts what can i say yeah you know and i feel like i'm a now i'm a martial arts teacher you know and it's, an incredible one at that uh because uh people can follow you on instagram uh it's keith cook studio on instagram yes, yes. yeah and you're just for me also because i've been putting myself through grad school as a fitness trainer you know i compete as a muay thai kickboxer and you're a huge inspiration for me. You always have been because you're just, obviously you've always been incredibly fit, but now at your current age, if you don't mind me saying age 60, 60 phenomenal. You would never know when I, I was watching your video doing the chin ups the other day, when you do the slow eccentric motion Yeah. and <laughs> wow, <laughs> it's just, it's so amazing. And I was like, I'm going to try doing these today. I got through about four. I'm like, I'm just gonna do my normal ones. I'm good. But, yeah. uh, and you're, you're kicking ability and everything that you do. It's, it's truly an inspiration for any martial artist that you can keep it up. And age really is just a number. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And uh, so, but in this day and age with a lot more independent uh, filmmaking and distribution online, have you ever thought about maybe developing your own project and doing something again? Or? Yes. Oh. I've had one on the back burner for years now. Oh. And uh, I used to once in a while, you know, some writer would call me and say, you know, like, I'd really like to write something for you. Mm -hmm. And that happened once. And, I, you know, I don't really want to say what it is right now. Okay, but I no still worries. want to make, I, I, was, I would still love to make this one picture that I really like, you know. And um, we had a script. Nobody liked the script that this person liked. But the concept uh. I really liked. Just like I, the one that I told you about, the, the guy who was born in Vietnam. Right. For, I yeah. loved that concept. You know, like I just thought, man, this would have been a really good shot. You know, I also was up for, uh, I met with David Carradine uh, a long time ago because they were going to put me in The Legend Continues to play oh, his yeah. son. I actually got the part, but then they were going to shoot it here. When they moved it to Canada because oh. of that treaty, yeah. they had to hire a Canadian actor oh. because they had to, you know, and uh, actually that didn't turn out so great. But, you know, I... I think I, I, I don't know. I think I could have made a difference in that show. Oh, hundred you know? percent. And, um, uh, it was so cool meeting David Carradine. Yeah. Man. Oh, I was out at his house for about six hours and he was such a character. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, that's what I've heard. <laughs> when I first met him, he came around the corner of the house with his outfit with the dragons from the show. <laughs> yeah. And he was carrying a three-sectional staff from the show, which was one of the weapons that I used to do. Yeah. And he threw it to me. And I caught it. And I, he goes, let me see some of that. And I, I started whipping that thing around, uh -huh. and it was a prop. And it was so funny because I was just like, because you know how I told you, I get charged up. Yeah. And I'm like... I got to get this part, you know, and I was, 
and the thing broke and the piece goes like right by his head it was so funny anyway. oh man could you imagine that though if he would have been on there because you know pd did an episode oh, did oh, an episode, oh. and he was supposed to have his own uh what would you call it spin-off spin-off and then it didn't work out but his episode was a really popular one so man the three of you in one episode is just that could have been incredible yeah but uh, i wished i would have worked with pd sometime because like i told you i really admired him as a kickboxer i thought you know, of all the guys out there, man, this one guy, he has it all. You want me to bring him by one day for lunch? I would can... love that. All right, then I'm, I'll, t- uh, I'll make sure and we'll coordinate <laughs> and I'll bring him down here for lunch. You'll love him. He's one of the most amazing guys you'll ever meet and he has stories for days. Yeah. Uh, and then so we'll, and we'll definitely be keeping an eye out for future projects of yours. And please, anybody that's in the Brentwood area where we are, come check out uh, this studio. It's incredible. Uh, and I've seen so many of the videos of your classes, which seem amazing, uh, kind of almost like a Taibo-esque, some of them, right? Like a cardio kickboxing type Yeah, setup. we do bag classes. We right. don't do, we don't do a, like, like Taibo. And that's what I like. That's a step above because you're actually getting that impact, which makes a huge difference yeah. in yeah. the workout. Uh, and uh, yeah, so real quick, all I want to do is uh, just jump back to Heat Seeker real quick. I'll kind of edit it okay. in between. Uh, so just talking about that real quick, how did Heat Seeker come about? Because that was an Albert Payan film mm-hmm. who, for our listeners who may not know, did Cyborg. He did the original Captain America movie. He did Nemesis with Olivia Gruner. Uh, and for me, Heat Seeker is maybe like my all-time techno thriller uh, kind of B-movie sci-fi film. Uh, and it's super underrated. And I wish somebody would re-release it. So how did that come about? Um, I just went on the audition. I think, I think, uh, yeah, that was one of the ones where I didn't really have any in, any special okay. in. I went to the audition and I think they were auditioning a lot of martial arts guys okay. for that role because I heard the original guy that they had, uh, decided not to do it okay. for some reason. And, um, and so, yeah, I just went on the audition and ended up getting it. And, uh, oddly enough, you know, Chad Stileski. Yes. Cause you fight him in that movie, correct? Yeah, and I think that's really cool. You know, yes. like, like and that was his first movie. Wow. Yeah, and then and then I think I think Bert brought all those yep. guys from from In a Saddle. Yes, because Burton Richardson, who we were mentioning earlier, was the fight choreographer on that. Very famous in the Dan and Asano JKD lineage. And uh, one of the reasons I loved that movie so much was, and I, I was always fascinated by Styles and the announcer, you know, being like, "So and so is a bando specialist <laughs> with forty-seven percent implants." And I was like, "Oh wow, cool!" And he's an African grappling. But I know that was a lot of that was post-production because then the guy would be doing all these kicks and I'm yeah. like, huh, he doesn't really look like a wrestler, but oh well. <laughs> yeah. But that, I just thought the fights in that movie were great and you and Gary Daniels. Yeah. What, what was it like working with Gary Daniels? Great. I mean, he's, he's, he's a great guy. A, yeah. lot of, a lot of people ask me that and he's, he's a nice guy. Yeah. Very good martial artist, you know. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was great. It yeah. was great working with him. I wish we would have had more time, you mm. know, because it's always so rushed. You don't get... You get very little rehearsal. Like I said, 14 fight scenes in however many days. And, you know, obviously, Burt Richardson had his hands full. Oh, yeah. You know? and uh, Nonstop fights. Yeah, and I actually did a fight with Burt yeah. in that movie. Yeah. And so uh, I forget the other guy's name from the Inisato Academy. Uh, he was about 6'3", very loose. I love working with guys that are relaxed. Yeah. 
And I had a fight scene with him because I didn't have a fight with uh, Chad. Right. Okay, right. so because there's two guys in that movie that look very similar. One's Chad with long hair. Yeah. And another, and so you fought the guy with the other long yeah, hair. Yeah, that was that the was, other guy. Yeah. He, was, he was from the Insano Academy okay. also. Okay, very fluid. In and I think he was, he was supposedly, if I remember right, he was one of the guys who was doing really well in shoot fighting at oh, the time. At the time. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for uh, meeting with us today. This is like a childhood yeah. dream because we grew up watching China O'Brien and we've now met all three. He's yes, actually uh, decent friends with Richard Norton and I've met him numerous times because Petey was Petey's, his coach. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so I, rem he, I remember him talking about Petey when I was up at shooting China O'Brien. All right. We're going to say we're going to say saying, saying, yeah. you know, usually you're fighting a guy and they have like two tools. Yeah. They have two good things that they're really good at. Yeah. And he said, Pete has a minimum of five, you know? And so, so you know, like like when you're fighting a guy like that, say he's got a great jab, he's got a left hook, a right. right cross, that's great. And then he's got front leg, rear leg, round kick, hook kick, spin kick, back kick. You know, he's got all these things. You never know what to, what's coming next, you yeah. know? Oh, and uh, I felt like he was like that. You know? What? I hard told to, you. Hard to fight. Must have been a nightmare to fight. <laughs> to this day, when he's holding the pads, you can see yeah. his move because people will mess up and accidentally throw like a right hook when they're supposed to throw a left. He never gets touched. To this day, he still rolls it or moves yeah. it and he's like, yeah, yeah. now son, you're supposed <laughs> to throw a left hook, not a right hook. And it's just incredible. And yeah. when he demonstrates on me, you know, in his shins, Oh my God! No, they they feel like metal beams. I thought yeah, I yeah. it was just me. He's like, no, I'm not gonna hurt you. Yeah. And then he just touches, and I'm like, my fiber feel that my femur is gonna feel that yes. for like a week. Just yeah. a slight touch, you feel it. Well, we'll make sure and get him out here for lunch so you guys can meet. And uh, yeah, thank you once again. Oh my pleasure. Thank my you. Pleasure. Thank you. Nice meeting you. Yes. Nice meeting you. Okay, so that was our interview with the great Keith Cook, Keith Cook Harabayashi. Uh, once again, we are so thankful for him taking the time uh, to talk with us. Absolutely. We'll definitely have to schedule that lunch with Sugarfoot. Absolutely. Now that we know how important he was to his career, which is just, we had no idea. And that's just a huge coincidence. That's literally episode one and episode four colliding. Yes. I like that. I like that. And uh, in case we forgot to mention, and I can't even remember if he talks about it, we actually got invited by him to try out one of his fitness classes which will be tomorrow morning. So Gavin mm -hmm. and I are going to try it out. And in our next episode, we'll give you the update of how that was. I'm sure it's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. And once again, please, please uh, go and see his studio. If you live anywhere near the Brentwood area, yeah. and by see, I mean go and try out the classes because it's a beautiful facility and we will be able to attest to the class in our next episode, but Absolutely. I'm sure it's fantastic. And if, if you're out of town, you got to make sure to, well, I would highly recommend that you follow these masses that we're interviewing, whether it's Sugarfoot Kickboxing mm -hmm. from episode one or Keith Cook from uh, episode four, I think uh, you're going to be me. I'm inspired when I look at their Instagram, and that's what helps keep uh, keep me focused when I'm training. Most definitely. And within the next few weeks, we're going to have the website up and running, so we'll have show notes and uh, a reminder once again with his Instagram, which I believe was Keith Cook Studio yep. on Instagram. And you can always hit us up on the Instagram. We now our page is the Martial Arts Mania Podcast, so you can uh, feel free to message us there, and we'll send that information back your way. And if you're if you're over on Twitter, I'm still tweeting about the show occasionally. Uh, Gavin Kelly underscore thirteen. 
Okay, so real quick before we go, I could not figure out the quote and I had about 15 minutes of us walking from one office to the next to record this and no cheating, I refuse to cheat. So now he's gonna give me the follow-up quote to see if I can guess the movie. All right, okay. so here's the follow-up quote. Follow-up quote and, and just I'm just gonna read it. Not on your best day, pal. You're nothing but a, <laughs> okay. You're nothing but a chicken shit weasel who thinks, who thrives on the misery of others. Son of a gun. So I'm, I'll, I can read it in the actor's yes, voice do as it, best I can. Do it, or intonation. Yes. Uh, uh, I will, because there are children nearby, I'm going to drop, okay. the, drop yeah. one word. Go ahead. Go ahead and just go beep. Not on your best day, pal. You're nothing but a chicken weasel who thrives on the misery of others. You know what? Uh, I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong. And as big of a fan as I am, this is two times in a row you stumped me. So what is the movie? Okay. It's Delta Force 2. Oh, my God. Okay. so you Colombian Connection. Yes, yes, of course. Of course. Which (laughs) has... It's so funny because that movie, you know, it has the ending fight scene. Which is great. Yes, very good. And it has the really cool, like, training montage where he's one just like, the, one he's of like, training he's like pissed off and he's like, I'm just going to do every single move I know on my men. <laughs> but not one that I've seen as, as I'm talking about every scene yeah. in vivid detail, but not one that I've watched a gazillion times. So it's good. That's yeah. good. You caught me off guard. So next week, I'm excited. You know, you're, you're pulling out, I am totally expecting, like, 80s Hong Kong dubbed ones. Well, you might be getting those, I, but I, I start. I start off with the uh, the protagonist, no, the antagonist, right from sequels. Okay. Oh, so you have a theme. I like this. Yes. No, no more spoilers. I like where you're going with this. So uh, next episode, hopefully, we'll have uh, up. Where I mean, we're going to try to do one every week, and we're kind of getting. Once again, we're new to this. We're getting into the process of editing it, making it sound better, making it more professional. So we're really going to try at least once a week. We're going to try maybe mini episodes. And we have a few more uh, guests lined up. Uh, we definitely have some ideas for just Gavin and I talking again. I know not as exciting, but I feel like we, I feel like we we have a lot of information I mean, to share. We enjoy it. Yes, yeah, so we and we enjoy it. So hey, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but we definitely have a few cool guests lined up. Uh, some pretty much secured. I'm not going to say until uh, we for sure have dates locked in. But yeah, thank you so much for listening. We love doing this, and if you have any suggestions. You can hit us up on the Instagram right now. And then once our website is up and running, we will definitely let you all know about that. And please also support all of our other friends uh, in the podcast world of martial arts. Uh, Definitely go listen to Jeff over at Kung Fu Driving Podcast. Absolutely. We love Jeff. Jeff is super cool, super nice. Uh, Dudes of Kung Fu, Mm -hmm. Sifu Alex Richter and Big Sean, they're back. Oh, they are? They've been on hiatus for like two months and I pay for the Patreon. So, and I suggest you guys do the same. And I just got my notification. And in the notification, it said they're also coming back with more. Great. Obviously, the wonderful uh, Kung Fu Movie Guide with Absolutely. Mr. Ben Johnson, another great one. Uh, and the Clones Cast with Michael Wirth and Matt. I don't know Matt's last name, but another great <laughs> one. And those are the main ones I listen to. And uh, obviously, we were inspired by these guys yeah. 100%. We are in no means trying to compete and we encourage everyone to listen to all of them and hopefully we all have great information to share and maybe one day we can all like the Avengers yes. join forces and record together in one episode. The, you know, the, the more people that are talking about martial arts, the more that's going to get exposure, the more great films that we're going to see return to the theaters. It's just we, we need this conversation to continue. So please go out and support these guys. Yes, most definitely. And we look forward to... Uh, 
talking for you guys again, talking Absolutely. to you guys again. Okay, all right, and until next time. Bye.